We're losing over 300,000 drivers to medical disqualifications each year. Do you know what that means? You're spending more money on recruitment, business is getting disrupted, and healthcare claims are rising. We're at a point where every driver counts, and how you recruit and retain drivers will significantly impact your bottom line. Are they fit to pass for your next medical exam? Rebuilt to rehire. Have you given them a second chance? With over 25 years of experience in the trucking industry, Fit to Pass understands the driver lifestyle challenges and how it affects your business. As a result, we elicit change when change is hard for life-transforming and cost-saving results. Visit fittopass.com forward slash podcast to get a free built bar and learn more about how you can improve the quality of your driver's life to help take charge of recruiting and retaining your drivers. From Transport Topics in Washington, D.C., this is Road Signs. And now here's your host, Michael Fries. Thank you for listening to this episode of Road Signs, the podcast series from Transport Topics that explores the trends and technologies that are shaping the future of trucking. For some time now, we've talked about the trucking industry's problem in driver recruitment and retention. However, on the technician side, there's a similar problem that fleet managers are currently facing, both with no ending in sight but it's not because of lack of effort. So in this episode, we'll take a larger view of that issue and ask the question, how are industry leaders beginning to address the driver and technician shortage? To answer that question on the tech side, we've caught up with incoming chairman of the Technology and Maintenance Council, Randy Obermeyer, during the TMC annual meeting in Orlando last week. But first, we'll welcome Brendan Neville, president and CEO of the Iowa Motor Truck Association. Welcome to the show, Brenda. Thank you. Happy to be with you, Michael. I'm happy that you're here. Thank you for taking out some time of your busy schedule to, to join us. I, I know that you're you're dealing with a whole bunch of things, and we're here to talk about, uh, you know, from, from your situation, the driver shortage, but, you know, that's a nationwide issue. And, you know, however, if from your state in Iowa, you know, and other states, it just kind of impacts uh, things a little differently. And, and then, you know, along the situations with the supply chain bottlenecks, and, and especially in your state of Iowa, you know, tort reform seems to be uh, be a hot burner issue. How's your state's members approaching the dilemma of driver retention with all this going on? Well, I, I think, you know, our members here in Iowa are probably doing the, the same kind of things that most trucking companies are across the nation. And, and they're really looking for ways to retain those drivers. And, you know, some of the models that have been in place for years, um, while they may be effective, I think in this current environment, they're looking for creative ways uh, to really make sure that those drivers stick around. And, you know, they're looking at how, how often they're at home, what kind of equipment. Um, I even know of trucking companies now that have, you know, counselors that are available anytime, 24 hours, you know, to help with drivers if they're having some some issues, you know, maybe that go beyond the scope of driving or they're they're reaching out to the families and making sure that the family life is, is good while that driver's on the road. And so I, I just, I've seen a lot more, a discussion and implementation of, of some really creative and thoughtful ways that trucking companies are, are really focusing on retaining those drivers. You know, and, and one of those uh, many ways that, you know, fleets are, are trying to, uh, you know, bring in drivers and, and, and keeping them, but but more specifically, uh, bringing in new drivers is with the recent passage of the, the, uh, the Drive Safe Act, which was part of the, I believe, the larger uh, infrastructure bill that was passed in the Congress. Um, you know, and that uh, lowers the interstate commercial driving age to eight. 
2019. How much of, the, of an impact will that have on mitigating the shortage of new drivers coming into the industry? Well, I think, you know, realistically, it's a new pipeline. It's a pipeline of new drivers, I should say. Well, it's a new pipeline too, but, you know, it really, it really helps us reach that 18 to 21 year old that quite frankly, and we, we always experienced this when we would go out to schools, high schools or career fairs, you know, there'd be a lot of interest, um, especially in Iowa, you know, a very agricultural rural state, you know, a lot of farm kids, uh, both male and female that were interested in, in driving a truck. And in a lot of instances, they didn't realize they couldn't go outside the state of Iowa until they were over the age of probably 21 or 22 and above. And um, that would deter them, quite frankly, we would see that time and time again. And so I think the opportunity now for us to capitalize on that potential market through the Drive Safe Act is going to be a real positive. Um, and, and certainly there are some trucking companies, even with, among our membership, that are not that interested in hiring an 18 to 21 year old. And there's, of course, insurance you know, implications. But having said that, there is also a, a lot of trucking companies that are very interested in reaching that market of 18 to 21 year olds. And, and again, especially in the state of Iowa, I think our interest has been very strong um, because, you know, of the agricultural base, these young men and women have been around equipment. They've been around trucks. Um, and quite frankly, they're some of the best drivers out there. So um, there's a lot of excitement for that program. There's several carriers in the state of Iowa that have expressed an interest to, to get in the pilot program. Um, I know our DOT and our governor's office, um, who we have very strong and positive relationships with, have expressed you know, their excitement for the program too. So we just believe the implications in both the short and the long term are really positive for the industry. Yeah, on the on the service that I mean that does seem like a, a great pap, a pipeline to to to, to utilize uh, in in getting younger folks into the trucking industry, especially in Iowa and and other states in that region where you know you're saying you know there's it's a rural area and you know, there, there's a lot of uh, you know 18 year old a lot of teenagers who are more adapt to that particular environment of becoming a, a truck driver. As you had stated, you know some of your members have been reluctant to to put young drivers behind the wheel, you know, um, what are some of those challenges having that particular view and uh, what are the steps they were taking to, to address those issues? Well, I, I think, you know, with any new program, you have to be open-minded, right? And, you know, to, to expect that hundred percent of the trucking companies out there are going to embrace the program would be unrealistic. So what we have adopted out here is just, let's, let's talk about the program. Let's inform folks about it. And again, be very open-minded. And I, I certainly am respectful of those those company CEOs uh, that that have some reservations and, and they have they they have good reasons um, and I, I think some of them are also taking approach of let's let's sit back and, and wait and see how this really works out um, and you know the old adage let let those let the other trucking companies that are out front let them train the drivers and then when they don't work out we'll we'll go ahead and, and you know get those drivers so I mean I think it's just a process of of you know being being very open-minded, having conversations, um, and really just seeing how this all pans out. But I think at the end of the day, it's like any new program. Some people are going to approach it a little bit more cautiously, but I, I, you can't deny we are opening up the market to some new drivers, potential drivers uh, that we weren't able to, at least for interstate driving, that we weren't able to attract in, in the past. And, and I think that's a positive. I mean, when you had mentioned that, you know, some companies are, are going to give it time, just kind of waiting for other companies. I mean, how, what type of time frame would you talk? I mean, would, would you be talking about when when those companies are kind of taking that 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 frame? 
Well, I don't, you know, I don't have a, a definitive answer because, you know, some of them have been a little bit vague too, but, um, you know, I, I think, I think, I, and I don't remember even how long the program is, Michael. I don't know if it's a two-year program or, or if there is, is even a time limit, but I have, you know, we do focus groups every fall with our members. And obviously we talk about the driver shortage. We talk about this topic. And, and in a lot of cases, uh, some of the feedback that we received in those focus groups from some of our company CEOs, you know, they wanted to they wanted to watch it for a couple of years um, and just really see, you know, how it all panned out. Now, again, maybe after a year, there there's great success. The pilot program is a great success, and this opens up. Then it might be a different story, right? Um, competitively, they may have no choice but to, you know, maybe change their views. So I, I think there's just some of them are taking a wait and see approach, and others. Um, are very excited about it and, you know, want to get started as soon as possible. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure probably with, uh, you know, probably the insurance rates involved in that and and some some other things, uh, you know, maybe, you know, rec- you know the, the, the tendencies of, of young drivers and everything. I'm, I'm pretty sure there's a, a lot of data to intake, you know, before. Um, right, there is, those- there is. And I think all of those factors, you know, and ATRI, the American Transportation Research Institute, you know, is doing that study with a, an assessment tool. And I think, we're going to see, I mean, that that's going to be such a great tool and that will be a great place for, for carriers, you know, to start, let's look at that study and what are the, what are the, the good habits and the bad habits of potentially safe drivers. And so I, I think that's the other thing that this brings to the table is, you know, we're going to, we're going to be able to start getting that data. I mean, we already have it. I mean, they, a lot of these 18 to 21 year olds have already been driving intrastate. And, and so that's what they're, you know, pulling the data from, but I just think it's going to continue to really strengthen our ability as an industry to attract folks uh, to these really great jobs, quite frankly. From time to time, an issue commands so much of the industry's attention that it requires a deeper dive, a resource readers can turn to, a transport topic special report. We're turning our attention to another big issue, electrification and the key factors that will drive this industry trend. In every case, we're working to provide our readers with information, analysis, and clarity on key issues confronting fleets. One comprehensive resource packed with insights that can give you the edge. Transport Topics invites you to learn more about our special reports. To reserve your copy of the latest special report, visit ttn.ws forward slash electrification. Well, we've been talking about age, and let's, let's kind of uh, change gears into you know, gender and race when it when it comes to the retention and recruitment. You know, you're a president of a state association in an industry where there's an there's an underwhelming amount of women and minorities that are driving trucks. Quite frankly, you know, so you, you know about the challenges. I mean, you're you're quite aware of 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 getting a hold of that demographic to teach them all the benefits of of being a truck driver. So, um, how has your organization? Uh, approach these uh, marketing efforts and and recruiting women and people of color into the industry. Well, and that's another really great thing that, that, you know, I'm sure people just heard me say great thing about the driver shortage is we're having these conversations. There probably is no great thing about the driver shortage, but here's the reality. It has forced us as an industry, as association leaders, legislator leaders, regulators, we have, we have been forced to look at, um, okay, what's out there and the minorities and women drivers is certainly that conversation, you know, even five years ago was not as prevalent as today. And so that's a good thing. And so from our perspective, we have been seeking out ways that we can get in front of those minority groups. And I know when we go to high schools in particular, 
um, there is interest by females. And we as an industry have to do a better job really finding ways that we can get in front of of females and minorities, uh, specifically for the female um, sector, you know, getting female drivers that can actually be out there as a spokesperson for us. Um, you know, we're looking for those because then they can really relate to those other potential female drivers. And I think the same same kind of approach would apply with the minorities. But I know we as an association have become much more aggressive in, in finding ways that we can get in front of those different groups. And, and that's a good thing. Like I said, we weren't doing that even five years ago, but because of the, the escalation and the driver shortage, I think it has forced all of us to be um, much more mindful of the potential employees that are out there that, that, that can drive trucks and do a very good job driving trucks. You know, I've seen, you know, through social media, you know, especially more, more women getting involved, you know, such in, as, uh, you know, posting TikTok videos and, and, and whatnot, just kind of making chronicles of their, uh, of their journey as being a truck driver. I mean, has your state association done something or, or reached out to those people, just kind of, uh, of a brandscaping effort to, to get more, more women into the industry? I mean, have you, have you reached out to, to, to people such as that, I mean, who, who are, you know, uh, promoting the industry and, and, and making some type of a network collaborative? Well, we have um, we have started to explore that. I mean, social media is certainly a, a tool that wasn't even at our disposal. Oh, it was, but we probably weren't using it as adequately as we should, again, even four or five years ago, even two years ago. And so that is something um, that we are starting to explore and looking for ways that we can utilize that in recruiting and attracting people to this industry. And, and there are some really effective, you know, TikToks out there. There's some really good good uh, things that they've done on social media. So we're, we're looking at that. We're looking at other, you know, ways of communicating and getting our message out. We're looking at, there, there's just a, there's a plethora of opportunities out there, I think, to get in front of different audiences. Um, it's just, you know, how do you do it effectively and, and get the resources to enable you to do that? And so we are exploring all of that, um, which I think everybody has to be doing. I, I mean, I think everybody is doing that. And again, I think that's a good thing for the industry that you have this surge of, communicated and marketing efforts um, that I think is going to pay dividends. It's not going to happen overnight, but I think it's going to pay dividends in the long run because, and you, you understand this being in the media, you probably, people understand supply chain and trucking so much better now than they, they have an appreciation for it um, so much more so than they have in the past. And I think we need to continue to, to, to really ride that wave of goodwill um, and use it as a recruiting tool. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Most definitely, you know, during the, the pandemic and, and the, the effects of the last year or two or so, you know, with, uh, you know, just the general public's uh, better understanding of the logistics industry and more specifically the, the trucking industry, that's definitely helped out the industry in, yeah. in, in that part, just in the, yes. the sense of awareness. You know, so. Right. And, and I think they understand the importance of it on their daily life. I, I mean, I just know in talking to outside groups, you know, when we make a presentation, um, it, it's always the question and answers after the, the presentation and just the comments. And across the board, there is just a, a much greater appreciation and respect for the industry and, and well-deserved, right? We should have always had that respect and, and we should have always had that notoriety. But um, the pandemic, unfortunately, really did help um, the industry get showcased in the way that it, it should be showcased all the time. And I, I do think that's making people think about, you know, that's a really viable career, especially when you start talking about the great salaries that prevail in the industry and the opportunities, uh, the availability of jobs. I mean, there really is a lot of positives 
um, you know, it's just how we present it and we have to be consistent in that messaging. And I, I think we're going to, we're going to see an influx of folks that, that come into our industry, maybe not even just for driving jobs, but, you know, mechanics and just jobs within the, you know, a trucking company operation, safety, accounting, administrative, um, you know, I think trucking sometimes is overlooked because people do just think it's a truck driving job. Um, and at least we're seeing that when we are making these these presentations to the general public or, you know, these different business groups, um, there really is a change in the attitude and the atmosphere um, and, and the, the way people are perceiving the industry. One last question before we get you out of here. And you kind of touched upon it a little bit, just sort of some of the things that, that fleets and trucking companies are doing. You know, I, I'm not asking you to, uh, you know, suggest a you know, silver bullet to, to cure all the ails that, that, that are playing the trucking industry. But um, what are some of the things that you're seeing some, from fleets that, that are encouraging uh, when it comes to uh, recruiting more, more drivers and, and that you would like to see, um, you know, being in the position that you're in? Well, you're exactly right. There isn't a silver bullet. And, and believe me, if I knew what that answer was, I, I wouldn't be, you know, sitting at this association. And I think most trucking company owners, if they knew that, uh, they would be, be on that all the, all the way too. But I, what I do think is that there, specifically, you know, obviously we've seen that, that wages are going up, but I think it's also been proven that, that drivers aren't necessarily looking for more pay. Um, you know, they're looking, you know, for other things outside the, the pay scale. And I, I think, you know, you're seeing trucking companies, you know, as I said earlier, being very creative um, and being very, very diligent and thoughtful in the way that they are not only recruiting drivers, but trying to retain their drivers. And, you know, I think uh, we did a, a poll of drivers. Um, it was oh, probably six months ago. And at the end of the day, it was still about home time. And, you know, um, I think companies are doing a lot of uh, things to get those drivers home more. And, um, you know, again, I mentioned it earlier, so I'm, I'm repeating myself, but, you know, having good equipment, uh, benefits, you know, just some of the benefits packages that we're seeing in retirement packages. We are seeing um, some changes in the retirement packages that are being offered by trucking companies. And again, they're really packaging the jobs as a career. Um, and I'm not suggesting that they weren't doing that before, but I think there's even more of an effort right now among trucking companies to, to really, you know, package it as a career. And it's much more than just your driving salary. There's a, you know, a lot of other things that go into this job and those drivers are being rewarded um, appropriately. We've been speaking with Brenda Neville, CEO and president of the Iowa Motor Trucking Association. Brenda, it was a pleasure having you on Road Signs. This, this was a great conversation. Great. Well, I appreciate all that you all do to, to keep the message uh, positive And thanks for all your hard work, you guys. We try our best. Thank you very much. We're losing over 300,000 drivers to medical disqualifications each year. Do you know what that means? You're spending more money on recruitment, business is getting disrupted, and healthcare claims are rising. We're at a point where every driver counts, and how you recruit and retain drivers will significantly impact your bottom line. Are they fit to pass for your next medical exam? Rebuilt to rehire? Have you given them a second chance? With over 25 years of experience in the trucking industry, Fit to Pass understands the driver lifestyle challenges and how it affects your business. As a result, we elicit change when change is hard for life-transforming and cost-saving results. Visit fittopass.com forward slash podcast to get a free built bar and learn more about how you can improve the quality of your driver's life to help take charge of recruiting and retaining your drivers.
We are here live at the American Trucking Association's Technology and Maintenance Council 2022 Annual Meeting and Transportation Technology Exposition. But we like to call it TMC here. <laughs> so um, for our first guest, we have Randy Obermeyer, the incoming chairman of TMC, and he is also the vice president of safety and maintenance for online transit. Welcome to the show, Randy. Thank you so much. Glad to have you on. How, how does it feel uh, to be the incoming chairman? First question. It feels awesome. It really does. I appreciate you calling me a special guest, but I'm not really all that special. I'm like the number... What 64, 60 probably? I think 64th chairman somewhere right in that in that range. Well, there's there's only been 64, That's so right. it's still a unique position. So, so yeah, and and here at Road Sounds, you are a special guest. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, but before we get into just all things uh, uh, the technician and trucking industry, um, just give us a brief summary of of your role at Online Transport. So basically, the safety and maintenance. So I oversee all of the safety. That's from uh, you know, vehicle accidents and working with insurance companies, working with um, trying to prevent accidents, working on, uh, you know, hours of service regulations, OSHA, EPA, uh, workers' comp claims, all of that. Uh, my primary goal when I started two years ago, or my primary role, I should say, two years ago when I started was maintenance. I was hired in as the director of maintenance, and uh, I raised so much heck about all the money that we were spending on accidents fixing our equipment that... You know, I think I spoke up too much, a little bit too much, and they said, well, it sounds like you have a lot of good ideas, so how about you run our safety department, too? You know, safety is first, you know, so, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a very uh, distinguished role, you know, so, I mean, you are special, Randy. So. Thank, you, so, thank you for that, but we don't consider safety first. We Everything is equal. Everything we do is equal. So, uh, safety is a very big part of what we do, but uh, safety is uh, is up there, but it's not, it's not really what we consider, consider number one, because there's so many other important things within the organization okay well we'll probably get into those later in this interview but um but yeah but just just being in the position you're in and, and having that particular role at online transport it definitely translates to the work that you've been doing at, at TMC and uh, just kind of talk about your role in, in that and just kind of uh, uh, the steps you have taken to eat, to become the the incoming chairman oh yeah that's a long story uh, so I started as a you know just an attendee and tried to get some learning out of out of the TMC meetings I thought anything I could take back you know one thing that I could take back to help my fleet grow and and be successful was good and then uh, one time I gave somebody a business card and said I'd help them with something and and, and kind of off to the races we went uh, one person thought I would be a good fit for s2 uh, the tire and tire and wheel study group many years ago Peggy Fisher and uh, she convinced me to take on that role and then from there just uh, we got elected to the board of directors and then you know, after a three-year term, I got re-elected to the board of directors and then was voted in by the board to become the vice chair. And now I've been waiting in Stacy, Stacy's uh, shadow for two years because of COVID. So we kind of call that joke around about it, call it the COVID leap year. So Stacy Earnhardt. Yes, kind of skipped that one year. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, COVID has been, been a, a tough time. You know, I had spoken with uh, Stacy uh, uh, back in the fall, you know, just kind of uh, about, you know, particular issues that he wanted to tackle as chairman. So um, you being the new guy, I, I, I pose that question to you. What, what are some of the particular things that, that, that you want to bring uh, 
more awareness to. I mean, not to say that they haven't um, they have been brought to the forefront already. Well, the biggest thing for me is problem solving. You know, I think about uh, problem solving that was, you know, it, it's been very popular here at TMC for many years. When you go all the way back, when you when you read the history books of TMC, it was always problem solving, and it feels like we kind of got away from that. You know, we we cover a lot of technology, a lot of new stuff that's coming on in the industry, but I kind of felt like we, as an industry, have lost our way a little bit in terms of like finding root causes. So there's so many things that go wrong with a truck now where we seem to throw parts at it, or you know, we fix that one particular issue, but there's something that caused that to happen, and we're not really digging into the root causes. Uh, I had a session on Saturday where I was teaching a lean class, and this is a lot about problem solving, and uh, you know, I asked the people in the class to draw me a picture of what their problem was, and I think when I think about our problem, the problem that we're challenged with in the industry today, there's a fire here, a great big fire here, and there's an ember that creates a fire pretty far away from that, and we put out that fire and we move on. But there's still the root cause of the major fire that's going on that we got to tackle. We got to find that and put that out as well. You know, that's a great analogy, Randy. You know, and, and one of the things too, especially at, at this conference, is just the the arrival of uh, the electric fleet. And one, and in many of the sessions uh, so far, you know, that that has been addressed uh, and just kind of uh, laying the foundation of um, preventive maintenance on electric vehicles. Uh, so, you know, that, uh, do you want to just instill that, that, that theme of problem solving that you were just discussing into that particular situation? Because that's, that's definitely new terrain. Yeah, absolutely. I think problem solving in anything you do, if you just think about your personal life, you know, if you, if you, you know, overdraw in your checkbook or, you know, there's money missing from an account and you go through to figure out what happened so it doesn't happen again. But, you know, we spend a lot of money on misdiagnosed things or, you know, not getting to the root cause on the equipment we have now. And we're talking about if we change a part that's $500, you know, that's still a big hit to our budget. But when you get to the electrification, electrified vehicles, you know, there's some componentry there that could be in the thousands of dollars, you know, tens of thousands of dollars to replace. So you definitely want to make sure that you're getting to the the root causes there. If you have an issue where you destroy a part, and you didn't find the root cause and you send it back out on the road, it's not as simple as, oh, check engine light, take it back into the shop and figure it out. Now it's a major, major cost to your company that's you know so difficult to, to get back. You know, that, that, that is so true. You know, um, you know and, and we can kind of get into the weeds about that, but um, but I, I do want to address uh, another thing, you know, definitely uh, you know, industry-wide, you know, you have the, the driver shortage, of course, you know, where, where fleets are, are, are struggling to, you know, Number one, attract new drivers and, and retain the, the, the more qualified ones. And on the technician side, it, it's, it's just the same with, with fleet shops needing new new techs and, and, and wanting to keep you know the, the, the qualified, more experienced techs. You know, what are some of the things that you have seen, and, and now as your role as chairman, that that you think that you can you know implement or influence in just the promotion of more techs and how to get more techs into the industry? Yeah, actually, we just finished a conversation. Uh, earlier with Chris Spear from ATA, and I had asked the question about you know, what did they see in terms of the things we can do to advertise for mechanics and, and for that field. And I go back to the days when I was coaching high school volleyball. Soccer, girls' soccer was the same time as girls' volleyball. And when I would go home from 
you know, practice or whatever. You watch a little TV, movies. You go to the, you watch a movie and it's a kid playing soccer. And then you go to a commercial break and there's a van getting sold to a lady that she's hauling her kids to the soccer game. And I can't compete with that. Uh, because it, you know the volleyball isn't out there advertised like soccer is, so I, th- I see the same thing happening in this field. Uh, you know, you have the TVs that you you see a lot of doctors and lawyers and and nurses and fire you know firefighters and police and all these other things, but you you never see a mechanic. And I, and I'm not saying they have to create movies about mechanics. It'd probably be a pretty boring movie, but we need to advertise it. We need to find a way uh, because this is a very technology driven industry now and these kids that were born with iPads and iPhones in their hands they can handle this and it's not back-breaking dirty greasy work anymore some of it is some people enjoy doing that and some people will will continue to do that but the industry has changed so much now that it's become uh, a technology field uh, and people coming out of uh, high school can really start right away if, if they know computers. Uh, there's some people that do nothing but troubleshooting electrical issues with a laptop. It's the stuff that they were basically born to do, in my opinion. Uh, so we don't. We, we got to get away from the the whole thing of mom and dad pushing the kids to go to four-year schooling and end up with so much debt that you know they can't they can't work their way back out of it. Uh, this is a very good career, and uh, we need either billboards or we need to get on the TikToks, we need to get on Snapchats, we need to get on the sides of trailers and show that this is a very good uh, very good field for people, and they can make a lot of money being a mechanic these days. Okay, okay. Well, just one more question before I get before I get you out of here and everything, and just kind of a follow up to to uh, the previous question. Just kind of, what are some of the things that you have seen that that's encouraging to you when it comes to the recruitment of of young techs? I think that uh, really the encouraging piece to me is the they are technology driven. So, uh, a lot of the older school mechanics were. I, you know, basically said that, you know, years ago, trucks were all nuts and bolts. And you, you had to have the, somebody that was willing to get greasy and dirty uh, to be a mechanic and, you know, willing to do the backbreaking work. Uh, a lot of the mechanics came from farm communities and stuff like that. Now, with it being so technology driven, I think we have a bigger pool of people to choose from. Plus, I, I think I see a little bit of a change in the thought process. You know, I think about my son, you know, he does He didn't want to become a mechanic necessarily, but he didn't want to go to four year trade school. He wanted to work with his hands. So I, I see a little bit more of a shift in that, which I'm glad to see. Um, and with this being technology driven, I think that those kids, those uh, you know, young adults coming out of high school could really help us. We've been speaking with Randy Obermeyer, the incoming chairman of the Technology and Maintenance Council, and also the VP of Safety and Maintenance for Online Transport. Randy, it was a great pleasure having you, and I hope you have fun at this show. Thank you so much. I appreciate being on here and you asking me. Did you know you can ask Alexa to open Transport Topics? In just one minute, you will hear the biggest trucking headlines of that day. Be prepared and start your morning off right with Transport Topics. Before we close, let's take a moment to revisit our original question. How are industry leaders beginning to address the driver and technician shortage? As we've heard from both of our guests, we talk about issues such as tort reform, which is a hot-button issue in the state of Iowa with Brendan Neville, 
We're navigating the new world of electric trucks and preventive maintenance with Randy Obermeyer. However, the cloud of attracting new talent will overshadow most conversations in the industry for the near future. The common theme from both Neville and Obermeyer is not just having the opportunity to communicate the benefits of becoming a driver or tech, but to emote the joy and passion that comes from having these positions. Both guests have and will continue to share their journeys, as well as others, to bring more people into the fold. Pay raises and benefits are effective motivators in the job, but personal fulfillment and pride make it a career. If you enjoyed this episode of Road Signs, please let others know. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If my questions have sparked questions of your own, share them with the Road Signs team or reach me on Twitter at Michael V. Freeze. You can email us at share at ttnews.com. We'll read them and respond daily. And of course, we'll be back in two weeks with a new episode of Road Signs. Until then, I'm Michael Freeze. Thank you for listening.